Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast. Brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with their WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here. Just WordPress happiness made easy. Now, here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick, and welcome to another episode of the WordPress Chick podcast. I have another fabulous interview for you today, and I'm super excited about this interview because it's something that I have been looking much more closely at and implementing in my business and paying much more attention to client sites as I work with them. Because when it comes to WordPress and site design, there's there's a lot more than just the visual piece of it. So when I was first introduced to Andy Hayes, who is our guest today, I was introduced to Andy from Jonathan Perez of Surefire Web Services because he said Andy was very instrumental and helped him a ton in terms of getting his site situated in his business and what are visitors looking for when they come to your site. So first of all, welcome, Andy. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Kim. It's nice to be here. Um, so before we get into, uh, which I I love your title, uh, creative web producer, that, and then you have to explain the Quentin Tarantino <laughs> of websites too, because I love that testimonial. Um, but fill us in on your background and how you ended up doing what you're doing today. Okay. Uh, all good questions. So I have an IT background. That's my degree. And I worked as a database administrator almost full time when I was in school. So that gives me a really good understanding of how things work underneath. So my first job, and I had that for over a decade, I was a PeopleSoft specialist. Uh, I have like seven PeopleSoft certifications. It's a little (laughs) ridiculous. I worked there for a very long time and I loved that job. I really loved the people. Uh, I lived in Amsterdam. That's where I was based. It was so much fun. But then PeopleSoft got bought by Oracle and my client hired me to, to just stick around and do the same job. And uh, the funny thing was, you know, I was a PeopleSoft guy and I was really good at it and I loved the job. But a lot of my work was turning into user adoption. So, yes, we have this PeopleSoft system we paid, you know, a fortune for. Uh, how can we make more people use it? And specifically, this was a case where people uh, people could use the system and it wouldn't cost the company a lot of money to use the site. And then if people called, it cost them money. So we want people to not call. Right? <laughs> yeah. Can you so, – uh, yeah, re- really ahead. quick, sorry. Um, when were you with PeopleSoft? Because I think the whole user experience – is, I mean, for people that have been in IT and been doing this for a long time, it's probably very obvious. But I think to people that are, you know, doing internet businesses and WordPress businesses, it's not necessarily the first perspective they think of. So when was this that you were at PeopleSoft? Yeah, like the two in the 1999. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, don't date me. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So when I started, PeopleSoft was just moving from desktop applications to the web. Like it had just moved. Okay. So I had good timing because I because I didn't want to deal with all that. That's what stuff we saw in school, and this web was really cool. So that, that that excited me. You know, a lot of early websites were people had just sort of reconstructed what was on their desktops on the web. So yeah, they weren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry but, about that. Um, but there was a lot of rapid innovation in those you know first few years because there was so much money being spent on the web. And for us, you know. It, improving how much how much people use those sites made a huge difference to the bottom line. So uh, when I had that job at uh, at my client uh, after uh, people I I left the PeopleSoft mothership, uh, we we had a million dollar usability lab 
like the lab where people like a camera studies your eye movements and a laser like measures how much your hand moves on the mouse, all this kind of stuff. All Holy this crazy moly. stuff. Uh, so yeah, it was really interesting. Was, <laughs> it was very, it, well, it was, it was sophisticated. Mm-hmm. It was very sophisticated. Uh, you can do a lot of that now. And we'll talk about that more at the end of this uh, session. You can do a lot of that now from without all that sophistication. But at the time, that's how it worked. And I was really in over my head because I, that was not my background. You know, I don't have a UX background. I have an IT background. So I didn't know how to build stuff, but I didn't know how to like tweak it quite like this. So this was like hands, hands into the fire quite literally. <laughs> but it was so much fun and it was really fun learning about how language made such a difference. You know, the, the way you name things could make someone confused or it could actually clarify. So I spent years doing that. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, my client was in the finance industry. So, and in Europe, there was a lot of, uh, turmoil, which started before it happened here in the U.S. And so eventually I said, you know, I, I'm just not interested in the turmoil anymore. I'm going to have my own job. I'm going to launch my own business. Uh, little did I know that that was plenty of turmoil anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, there, there's a different kind of turmoil. It's one thing when it's your own thing and you're frustrated, but when it's someone yeah. else's, it's like, I don't need to be this miserable for you. <laughs> So, so I, so I got out of the IT software game and I started doing sites. And this is when I lived in, so I moved to Scotland, uh, when I started this. So I, so I started my business in Scotland and my focus at the time back then was a lot of hospitality and tourism because of where I lived, right? It was like mm-hmm. kind of an obvious choice. And I did a lot of training. I, I got asked a lot because I was in this space of like websites and stuff on the web. I got asked a lot to do social media training, blogging, content, all that kind of stuff, because that was really just starting, really, really just very early Mm -hmm. and had a ton of fun doing all that. And then I decided I didn't want to live in the UK anymore. I was like, "Uh, you know, I'm going to go back to the US. I've had enough of the European thing (laughs) because it's really hard to own your own business there. Uh, It's changed a little bit in the last five years. But uh, when I started, it was hard. You know, taxes are really high. It's just really difficult. Yeah. So I came back here, got more, I, I, I dropped the hospitality focus, got really more involved with the, the usability, set up my, what is now really, really popular, the website critique, where I sit people down and go through things top to bottom and help them figure out what's missing. Now, this is where I started calling myself a producer. And I okay. have to thank Diana Valentine, dianavalentine.com for that. Because she, I met her and she does this thing called super conditions. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the things that you need in your career to be ultra successful. She has probably a better way of describing it. So I just totally did it a disservice, but we can link to it in the show notes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's really interesting. The first thing she said to me is, Andy, you're, you're our producer. Like you're the guy who knows all these things and can pull it all together and make it work. So you need to call yourself a producer because that's the job that you should be doing. And I, and it made total sense to me. And I said to her, it's really funny. I have this client in Scotland, of all places, a really chic kind of hotelier place. And he said to me, uh, I think the end of the quote is on the site, but the whole quote was something like, I find it so interesting that you're almost like the artist. This hotel has artists that come in and do stuff. So it's like, you're almost like the artists that come in here, that you're able to see all the different things that are here and that are missing and pull them all together digitally. And he said, you're like the, the Quentin Tarantino of websites. And I, <laughs> I love like, that quote. Yeah. And I was like, oh, whoa, like, that's really deep. Like, oh. And I thought it was, he, and he said, he kind of explained that, like, you know, Quentin Tarantino is sometimes in the film, like he makes a starring appearance. Yeah. And I kind of do that too. Sometimes I say, oh, hey, you know, I'll just write this because I can do it. I'm like, I, we don't have anybody to do it. So I kind of jump in there. I'm, unlike Quentin Tarantino, I don't die on my own film. So that's not <laughs> 
you're like, I'm not shooting off the hero. So, so uh, yes. And now here I am, web producer in Portland. <laughs> I love that. Well, we'll get into that. So mm-hmm. since you've come back, um, what is your business today? So you're in Portland, but what is your business today? So my business is just basically focused on website critiques, all at andyhays.com. So people come to me and they say, hey, uh, my site is just not generating the kind of engagement, the kind of, uh, you know, conversions that I'm looking for. And I help people find the right questions they should be asking to fix that. You know, I have some people who who don't have a site or people who are working on a new site. I just did one last night with uh, the mock-ups, you know, and she said, hey, you know, this is we're trying to fix all of these problems. Can you make, can you, can you look at it and tell me if we were doing a good job and they were, so I had to <laughs> put them back on the rails, but that is great. I, you, you know, you really should put out a course or, um, <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, we're going to, you do classes and everything, but I was just thinking that that would be so valuable for so many, you know, I do client sites and say, we do mock-ups and it's like, if I had a, a, a walkthrough and obviously as you get educated, but almost, deeper than a checklist, but I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's hard. Part of, part of what makes my job easier is that I'm not involved in all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't involved. I didn't start your business and I didn't go through the day to day grind of making it happen. And I'm not the designer who created this new version of the site. I'm just walking in. And for me, you know, with the background that I have, it's really easy for me to see like, okay, I think this is going to be confusing. Mm-hmm. We're actually, you know, I'm familiar with this industry and I didn't understand this part over here. Or you said this, but then the site said this. So I'm now I'm confused. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. You're, you're definitely coming from the user perspective, but you've got the knowledge <laughs> to, to correct it also. But do you have, um, so you've got andyhays.com. Do you run any other web properties or is it pretty much consulting and training you're doing? That's that's the bulk of my time. I do own a site, which I'm, I, I do love. I kind of feel like it's my art in the world. It's a site called Plum Deluxe. And it's I all love about, it. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. I, um, I, I can't think of her name. There's a woman that helped me do the naming. I'll have to make sure we link to her in the notes. Oh, Victoria Prozan is her name. Mm-hmm. She's a great person to call if you want someone who, who needs help naming, mm-hmm. naming things or taglines. Oh my gosh. She's just a genius. Her process is beautiful. It's really beautiful. It actually really impacted me. I feel like I, I, I'm pretty good at branding and naming things, but it was hard for me to name my own thing. Okay, you're going to, that's just, just amazing. (laughs) Sorry, you're going to have to give me an email introduction because, you know, when it comes to writing on my site, I can write blog posts and I can write content. But when it comes to copy and and having that differentiator that makes you step up, Mm -hmm. it's like I go blank. I I just, it's not a strong suit. I would love an email introduction. Um, I will. It's hard to do your own stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, in going through, I've gone through your site and everything, and I, I love the fact that you're addressing the getting things wrong with your website because being somebody that works with clients, um, you know, it's like they get caught up in things. I'm not saying they don't matter, but they don't matter to the user and when it, and it comes to, you know, conversion and stuff. And so as I started paying attention to it, like here's an example. I have um, an internet marketer I'm working with and their site it, – it, dated and all that stuff, but very adamant about these testimonials with these other big names on the front page. And I'm thinking, you know, that doesn't really serve your user because they didn't work with you. They're just saying how much they like you and respect you, where it would, to me, as a visitor, be more beneficial for me to see someone else that you've helped get from point A to point B 
do, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, I think of that. I'm like, well, I don't care what your friends are saying about you. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? If so you think about a site, like if I go to, if I click on your about page, that kind of information is useful because I know that you're a nice person or mm-hmm. that I will enjoy working with you or, you know, maybe I'm just trying to make sure that you're not a jerk. Like, you know, maybe that's all I need to know. Yeah. But then if I'm over looking at your packages or your product, I want to know, does it, what does it achieve? And, and do I have confidence that it will do that for me? So if it's, you know, a video DVD that makes my abs flat, you know, I want to, <laughs> I want to hear from people who, who really got that achievement. Exactly. If you say that's possible. Okay. So what are some common things that you see people getting wrong on their website? Well, for, at first, I'm glad you asked that. I want to address the whole conversion optimization trend. Okay. People talk so much about this, and I don't think that most people get it. So what, what I find so often is people hear advice, and they focus on these really nitty-gritty details that are not useful. So here's a classic example. People write endless blog posts about what color of button people are more likely to click on to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, FYI, orange is always a good choice, but, you know. <laughs> Uh, but then people don't think about the journey of how someone gets from their laptop to your page to the bottom of that page to click on the buy button. Yeah. So here we've spent all this time optimizing the color of a button for, say, 100 people when 900 of the 1,000 that came to your site never got there. So we really need to think when we talk about conversions, it's a big picture. You have to look at the whole journey of someone coming in for the first time and getting all the way down to that buy button. So is there a good way to measure each of those steps? What I think people should really think about is, first of all, look at the journey. So when someone comes to your site, think about the state of mind that they're in. So some people will be ready to buy and they're just looking for the button, right? So I've already been to your yoga studio and I want to book another class. Mm-hmm. Okay, how easy for is it for them to get there? Now, how about somebody who's never done yoga before and that happens to be your specialty? You deal with people who are... are uh, out of shape, had an injury, something happened, or they're just, you know, they need a little gentle landing into the yoga world. How are, is there an easy way for them to learn how it works? You have to really think about the different kinds of people that you're serving. And maybe you only have one kind of person. Maybe, maybe I keep, I'm on this like fitness kick. I don't know why. It's <laughs> maybe I feel like I need a walk. You're uh, in maybe. Portland. I mean, it's a pretty fit state. So maybe that's it. <laughs> You know, like, let's say maybe you're, you're, you're a fitness coach and you just do one thing, like you help them write a meal plan, like that's all you do. So, okay, so maybe your job is a little easier, but you still have to think about what is the journey that you're taking them on? Because people go through an emotional journey to buy something and the more expensive it is, the more the journey is, right? Because you really need to think about, is it right for us to have the money, all these things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when we're on a website, there's no personable interaction, you know, if, if if you were there with them, there's body language, there's intonation. You can you can kind of get a read when they're upset or they're unclear, and you can fix it. Yeah. But on the site, you can't fix it. So you really have to think about how someone starts and finishes the process with you. And the way you do that, looking at your site, is 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 kind of write it down. Like here's how how the process works, and really think about that person. What is their state of mind? They're confused. Or they're they're ready to go. Like, how are they? And then, what are they looking for? And then, what? Are, and then, your steps. Like, how do you? Need, what do you need to do to get them in the door? And then, does the site match that? Does the site clearly take me through that process? Can I skip around in the steps? And and only by looking at the end to end journey can you really identify if the site is like just really ready to go. That's huge because I, I think a lot of people focus on. And I know my I. I 
did. This is all, I don't want to say totally new to me, but it's something that I, I'm focusing on because, you know, when, you, when you're spending a lot of time creating content or putting something out in the world, it, it makes sense to measure this. I mean, it, it's uh-huh, uh-huh. right, which I mean, that's how I, I'm not a great analytics person and I'm not sure, you know, where that falls into your, your process, but it was just by taking the time to look at that is where I found little niches for myself to continue writing and growing an audience. Do you, what are your thoughts on as far as like defining your audience? And is that something you walk people through? I mean, it's just something that I, I hate to say this, but after five and a half years, I finally sat down and I wrote out, I mean, detail, income, name, hobbies, everything so that I've got that avatar that I'm writing to. What is your thought on the audience piece? I think that's crucial. I think mm-hmm. it's, you're making a huge mistake if you don't do that. It's one of the first things I ask people when they come into my door or when I sit down with someone for coffee and I'm, you know, I want to help them you know, make an introduction or get them to where they need to be. That's why, that's what I ask. Who, who, who is it that you're looking for? Yeah. So, so uh, the thing I, I do tell people, and I often tweak and when people are working with me is think about your customer and how they describe themselves. So for a good example is I do not wake up in the morning. I did not wake up to, to, at the coffee maker and say, ah, another day in the life of a 30 something male. You know, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, you don't do that. I don't do that. Right. I describe myself in ways that, you know, are in kind of my head. Yeah. So it's not about my age. That's not to say that those things are important, but you need to think about the things that are relative to what you do and are things that your customer would actually call themselves. So as opposed to, like you said, maybe not calling out age and gender, but, you know. Well, well, it's good to know these things because there are in marketing slang, right, there are um, generalizations we can draw. Mm -hmm. Like women are more visual. Yeah. You know, Pinterest being a good example. So there are there are generalizations, but that you can't decide everything about an avatar of an ideal customer based on their gender. You need so, to know things that they think about. Like, what's a good example? Like maybe maybe your ideal customer thinks that they're really busy, but they're on top of it. They they can handle it. So you're you kind know? of pulling in like the almost like a psychological piece on top of so demographics are like a foundation, and then you kind of want to get in their head. Yes, exactly. Okay. Sorry. It's like, I need to summarize in my head. I'm like, wait, wait, let's see. Um, Yeah. And and it's interesting because I see in working with clients, as I start paying attention to stuff, you know, and it's kind of whatever you put your attention on, you start paying more attention to. Um, (laughs) Obvious. But people get so hung up on these things that that it's not, it's about them and it's really not about um, their customer, their visitor. Do you have, like, what are some particular pet peeves maybe that you see over and over again that people do? Mm, that's a good question. Well, I always say the two most important things are language and organization. But uh, specific things, you know, I don't like sliders on the homepage, you know, those gallery things. Totally. And you know, what's funny is I've started to say to people and they're like, oh, I want a slider. I'm like, why? What, what it's is just it? not a very good experience for most people. Yeah, it looks great, but it's confusing to a lot of people. Um, pet peeve, it's 2013 people, your site needs to look great on a phone. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, it, uh, you know, and that was not advice I gave five years ago, but that's the advice I'm giving today. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's time. It, responsive uh, plugins and themes are available for, for all WordPress um, configurations. So you don't have an excuse. It's time. It's time. Yeah. Uh, other pet peeves. Um, wordy copy. You know, most people are only going to read about half of it. So get to the point. Do you mean, and okay, so with that, in terms of wordy copy, when it's, 
maybe, I don't know, either a sales page or sharing something? Because what about like a blog post? I mean, I've gotten into some, in their tutorials, I've written some pretty long, lengthy posts. Yeah, I don't mind so much as if it's a tutorial. But I think really knowing when there's a time and place to get into the details and when sometimes you just need to get to the point. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I, I've been also, the other thing is breaking up content. I think it's in terms of visually, because nobody does want to read like a textbook on the web. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. I, I'm a big believer and I don't know what your thoughts are just on different font sizes and colors and images and, and not too much because that's gets squirrely also, but breaking up the content. So it's a little bit more fun to read and things jump out at people. So if they do want to scroll, they're like, oh, okay, I can read just about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The best thing is to make sure that if it's long, you can scan it. Mm-hmm. So like read the page down with the headlines only and does it make sense? Because then it lets people slide in where they're most interested. And yeah. like, so, so for a tutorial, I can look down and I can find the spot where I'm confused. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to do this YouTube video and this is the thing I don't know how to do. Oh, 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 Kim explained it right here. I'm good. I got it. Like, thank you, Kim. So yeah, because that's, it's like cool. watching a 15 minute video and you need two minutes of t- tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, and I just, tr- I tested too, It's and it'll be interesting to see is that the lengthy tutorial that I recently did, I converted it to a PDF so they could download it if they wanted cool. to access it again. Um, cool. Okay, so what are, if you could stress three things that are most important in terms of getting things right on the website, what would you, what would those be? Or three, four, whatever works. <laughs> well, Two. knowing who the customer is. Mm-hmm. So more than just demographics. And, and if you, you're, you're saying, well, my, my product's for everyone, then good luck. Because that's not going to work. It's not for everyone. <laughs> not unless you're um, selling water. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. But even then, there's different markets for water. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So it's not always. Oxygen? I, don't, uh, I was trying to grab something that was really generic, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and, and oxygen doesn't work either because some people don't want to pay for it. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. Uh, so so knowing who, the, who it's for. Uh, I said that earlier, but I'm going to say it again. Language. Language is so crucial. Can you the, expand the way, on that a bit? you really need to be thoughtful in how you approach your customer. You need to use language that they understand. So for example, Kim, you help people with WordPress problems and tell me, would you say your audience is, is kind of technical, medium technical, or is it a range? I would say, well, it varies because I've got everyday users and then I have people that have sort of similar businesses, mm-hmm. but I know that my audience is pretty much not coders and programmers. I may have friends that do that, that follow me, but really I'm, I'm speaking to the everyday user that might be getting started with WordPress right? or, you know, so, they, but so yeah, I would say they're not, I would say not super, super techie. Cause I don't think of myself as super, super technical. So then your job is to make sure that everything that you do uses language that is not super, super technical. Right. So, yeah. uh, so like, for example, even in your menu, you wouldn't want to use some really, even if you were selling, like, say, some kind of quirky, cool, um, technical thing, you would never want to call it that because then no one would know what it is and they'd never click on it. And this is a thing that people do a lot is they, they name things in like in menus really weird. They use really <laughs> tech, techie insider language. I, I call it insider language because mm-hmm. in some business, some industries, it's not a technical thing. It's just like you need to know the lingo. So, so making sure that you don't use insider language, especially if you're selling something to someone who is new to the industry. So you got to use words that they don't, that they know. I, 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 quick side note, there was a, I forget what it was. There was a plugin I'd installed and literally it was, the, the step was just to generate a shortcut to put, say the button or whatever, where you needed it to be. And it was literally uh, something like, you know, 
click to generate your actionable PHP. It, it was it was something that I'm like, nobody who is going to understand what this means. I'm like, and, and I see that actually a lot with with WordPress, like plugins and stuff, because I think it's a huge opportunity as documentation and training in everyday language. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Better. Yeah. So knowing who the customer is, making sure that you're not using insider language, and then organization. So making sure that your site is organized in the way that someone who is going to buy something from you is looking for it. So for most people, just let's be really, let's make it really simple, right? Most people just need, you know, a home about, so why would I buy from you? Why can I trust you? And then what you sell, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then contact. I, ha- I need help. That's like the four simple steps. I'm, I first meet you, and then I learn who you are and why I should trust you, and then I want to see what you sell, and then I, if I need help, contact. That's the simplest organization. Mm-hmm. Most people overcomplicate it. Yeah. But if you think about, like, like the best example is showing a site to, to, to a new customer and seeing if they can find the thing they're looking for. Ooh. And a lot of times you'll find that people will just search. That's kind of a crutch. And, and, and that's probably more the case because Amazon uh, and other sites make search so easy. Yeah. You know, on Amazon, it's easier to search because their search is so good than digging through the categories. Uh, eBay is another example. They've really um, evolved, and now it's just you just search because it's easy. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people just search, uh, whereas really you should be trying, especially if you're a small business and you have really niche products or services, you should really try to be organizing that menu so it's really clear, like, I want you to go here, and then I want you to go here, and then if you need anything, I'm over here. <laughs> God, that's great. Do you So with, like, getting organized um, and organizing the site, because it, I just would love to, if you could share a story or something, because I do see people are very, um, what's what I'm looking for? Like, they're, they're almost married to the idea of what they think their visitors want, and they're adamant about putting... I don't know, including something. Have you ever had to, I, I don't know, maybe a story with a client where you've had to say, this is not helpful? You know, and it's like one thing I've started paying attention to as an example is sidebars. And if you're, if it's an affiliate marketer and that's what, that's what you're doing, then I get the banners and stuff. But at the same time, all you're doing is inviting people to leave your site is what I think of it. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of sidebars either. There's a whole list of things, Kim, that I'm not a fan of. I sound like (laughs) Grumpy Pants uh, web producer, but there's a lot of things that are not that useful. And sidebars, so many people miss them. They don't even see them. They take up space. They make the content area that's the priority area, right, the the left or right, depending on how you're laying out. It makes it narrower, so it's harder to read. It's just not great. I've actually started doing full-width posts because, like the one I was telling you about, the tutorial one, I – I was thinking about, I'm like, I don't want people to have to scroll, which it's a lengthy post, like I said, but Mm -hmm. I I pulled the sidebar out. I'm like, this just looks, this is making my eyes hurt. And and I wouldn't want to read this. So yeah, I will give you, so I'll give you a story and I I won't name her name because that's kind of rude, but (laughs) there's a couple people that it could be. So, so I feel safe. So I was working with someone who offers just services, just, uh, you know, consulting services, Mm -hmm. not, not like mine, um, Pretty, pretty niche, interesting stuff. Anyway, so she, we, we had the site, and we, we knew that one of the things that was really important was a, an about page to say, like, why, why is she an expert? Why did she start this business? Why should you love this company? Why, why are these people really nice to work with? You mm-hmm. know, those things that an about page should try to do. And we had our, you know, our contact page, and we had a ton, she, she had tons of rave reviews. So we set up a page with just all that, right? Mm-hmm. Just all these people who just loved her. 
So we had all that, and then it came down to this, uh, the packages. And, well, despite being kind of niche, she has a lot of stuff that she can do. Well, she ended up sending me, and it's like like 16 layers of pages, like the page with all the thumbnails of the packages, and then you click on the package, and it goes down in, and it says, oh, do you want one-on-one, or do you want workshop, or do you want this? And that was a different page, and then it would, like, more and more pages. And it's like this spider web of stuff. Mm-hmm. People get And I think that was her mindset was, if I kind of suck them in and help them dig down into the thing they want, then I, I won't lose them. But it, but the problem was there was just so many options. And things like, one thing I say in my consultations is people like to self-identify. Mm-hmm. So like you like to say, I'm looking for this, or this is who I am. You know, like I'm new here and I need to, and I need to register, or I've been here and I want to lock in. Mm-hmm. You know, people like that. We don't, we don't mind. But when you start asking people to self-identify over and over again, like I'm looking for training and then okay i want one-on-one okay i want you know it's like just way too much it's so, total information overload it is so i said i know that you feel like your pages are long but once you have people self-identify if they wanted the training if they need you to give a workshop or come speak you know once they have that high level thing clear a longer page is fine because you know with the photos the explanation and we're, we're into the details right like what is she going to do how much is it going to cost do i need to pay you up front do you take checks? You know, all this kind of stuff starts coming up. People don't mind a little extra detail. It's just like on Amazon, right? The product page on Amazon, it's a little long, right? And there's a whole bunch of those like show more and see this and see that. And mm-hmm. God, if you've got a, pro- a product with tons of reviews, that's a whole time suck in itself. But people don't mind because we're kind of like we're ready to go. And I want to make sure that I'm feeling comfortable. So I think it, it, this is a classic case of over-engineering the solution. She thought like with all these different pages, you know, sub pages and sub sub pages and sub 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 pages that people could find exactly what they wanted. But it was actually the opposite. Tightening it up and making fewer pages made it easier for people to to kind of scroll around and see the different solutions next to each other to decide what really was what they were looking for. And did she get from that? Did she see an increase in what well, this is a new site, so oh, okay. this is a new site, so we didn't have old numbers. The only thing I know is she said she's so busy that she doesn't have time to talk to me. So I guess <laughs> that is a good thing. <laughs> um, okay, so that totally brought up. I had a question earlier and I forgot it, so I don't want to forget. What one another thing, and I don't mean to keep making this about what I'm paying attention to, but it's so I got to pick your brain, so I'm going to. Um, Go for it. Are okay. the steps that how many? steps it takes the customer to get to what they want so as an example i i don't know if you've se- have you seen gumroad yes okay. yes I, I yeah we're going to try to use a, a pump deluxe here soon okay good so because i for those listening to me it is the most seamless easy way to check out for the customer and where i've used e-commerce like woocommerce and and different things and i thought you know for the most part for what I sell on my site, if it's information, no one's going to be adding multiple items to a cart, right? So uh-huh. they're coming to get a specific training. And so <clears throat> they do that. It, it's So I'm testing that and I'm playing with it and I'm going to use it for something I'm launching. But I actually had a plugin developed to integrate with Aweber and MailChimp, which I'm still tweaking because I want the name and email. If you're going to buy from me, I want your name and email and I don't want to have yeah, to import that's it. Right. That's right. But So what are your thoughts on you know, how many steps it takes the customer to take that action, whether it's opting in or buying or subscribe, whatever. That's a good question. And obviously it depends on what it is, what the product is. But it's good to really think about uh, kind of what it, what's going through this person's mind when they're buying. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's a lot of studies. I read a lot of studies, of course, about the the format and the process that someone goes to check out. And, you know, I think it's in, inconclusive. It just so much depends on the price of the product, what it is, if someone who's buying it has never bought it before, you know, you know, it doesn't matter. A, a good side, sidebar, a good example is pay. I use PayPal uh, on my site right now. And, you know, people never click through at the end after they paid to, to fill out their initial questionnaire. I had to hack a solution for that because it's not clear. Yeah. PayPal does not say, we've taken your money. You need to return to the merchant to finish the transaction. Like people just think they're done. Like, ah, I paid, I'm done. Yeah, there's like a tiny line of text that says, if it doesn't refresh, click here. It is it is not, um, yeah, it's not so You obvious. need to be looking for things like that. Are, are you seeing where people um, are not are actually clicking on the buy button and not buying? And that's an analytics thing. Are you seeing that people do a purchase and then there's always some kind of weird issue like they never log in again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like your customer service is getting all these calls about like, oh, I bought, but I didn't get a receipt or I didn't do this. And it was because of something they didn't click or, you know, what have you. So I would really be, especially for this this area, this is where, you know, looking at numbers is really useful. But also just um, if you can get someone who you can kind of watch and see how they go through the process, that's always really helpful. But uh, stuff like Gumroad is awesome. If you can make it less steps, it's so much better. You know, like look at Amazon, like one click and you can buy, you know, you know like, 40 like yeah, it's dangerous. Like, I've got how many books I'm reading at one time. I'm like, Ooh, that looks good. And I start and I'm like, okay, well I'm in the mood for fiction today. So. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, um, if you've ever shopped at somewhere that has, uh, is it Stripe or, um, square mm-hmm. any of those and how easy it is to check out. I mean, it's just so easy, easy. So uh, you know, it's that's the thing you should be thinking about. And so, like for for example, when I go to the barber and get my haircut, okay, well, it's pretty straightforward. I've already gotten the haircut, so checking out shouldn't be that hard, and it isn't. So for you, okay, so someone's decided this is the product for them. Uh, you, you know, how can you make it really easy for them to just finish? Exactly, and that's where I just again, I'm I'm not an affiliate or anything with Gumroad, but I just I love the fact that somebody doesn't have to add to cart view cart, check out, fill in all this information, then go, it, it just seems, you know, I, I, I would yeah, I'm sure there's that, some cart abandonment there. All that cart stuff for so many businesses feels like, you know, 1999, like it's just not necessary. Yeah, it, it is really, not a seamless process. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at sites uh, that are really heavy in the e-commerce game, like fab.com or um, even Kickstarter, for example, you know, it's really easy to pay. It's not quite Amazon easy. I mean, they're the masters of this stuff, mm-hmm. but they have a whole payment system. So, of course, you know, they make it a little, that makes it a little easier for them. But for people who are like, well, I'm just, you know, got this little thing, you know, thought, like be on the hunt for solutions that make it almost like one click buy, you know, simple as possible. And yeah. if you're just starting out and PayPal's all you have, it's fine. It's fine. If you do a good enough job, you know, like I have PayPal and I don't have a problem. Yeah. You know, I get annoyed when people do not fill out my questionnaire <laughs> and they get annoyed because they're like, Hey, I think I was supposed to get something, you know, if I happen to not be at my desk, you know, and I didn't catch the email, but, uh, you know, it's, it's fine. It is what it, it, it you know, it's, it's a suitable problem, but, yeah, but if it, you get around those things, it's better. And I think the biggest thing is if people are looking at 
the user's perspective, I mean, I test everything 12 ways sideways and, and I know probably a lot of technical people don't, but it's like, so if you've hired someone to set it up, you need to check out, go through your site and, and be the customer purchasing from you to see what happens. I mean, I, (laughs) I did this the other night and then I started, I published a couple quote unquote test posts. Um, and then I got a couple emails. I never do that. I always keep stuff in draft, but I was getting really frustrated and I got these emails like, do you realize you're, um, feeding (laughs) these? So people who subscribe to my feed were getting my test for the love of God, please work, (laughs) you know? So, but the point is I was trying to go through it as a customer would and, and see what was coming back on the other end. Oh, yeah. If you're not testing all of your stuff, then shame on you. (laughs) Shame on you. So um, one thing that I love about your workshops and stuff is that you give actionable takeaway items. So can you give a couple actionable takeaway items for listeners so they can implement today? Yes. Let me think. Which might be Uh, ambiguous because you're not actually viewing their specific sites. But (laughs) Uh, no, I'm pretty good at this. I've been doing it a while. Okay, so one here's one. Go through every page in your site and go to the bottom of the page. Like, not the footer where you've probably got, like, copyright and all that stuff, but, like, at the end of the page page. Uh, what's the next step? Did you tell them to go do something now? Whether it was opt-in or read another post or connect with me here or something. Yeah. So a good example, your about page. So at the end of your about page, now that someone knows you, hopefully they liked what they had you had to say, and they've decided whether or not they think you're a nice person to work with. You know, did, did they fall in love with your company? Mm-hmm. The end of that page should be, okay, um, now that you know about more about us, this page is an introduction of our services. Or click here for the shop to get your, you know, custom iPhone cover, whatever, you know, whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be. So always look at the bottom of the pages for a next step. That's a good, easy, actionable takeaway. That's great. Uh, the second one I would give people is uh, go through your site. And if you have a big site, this is a little daunting. And so I would say no blog posts, but like the pages, the rule. Sometimes I, t- I talk to people like the money pages, mm-hmm. pages that are really involved and crucial in getting a, a new customer. Go through all those and read them out loud. Ooh, that's cool. I like that. And you'll spot uh, bad grammar or you know typos, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But things that you're, you're uncomfortable saying out loud tells me that maybe that's not the voice they should be written in or there's just something wrong with that copy. Like it's not quite right. Oh my God. I love that because I can't tell you how many sites that were, I'm like, this is like old dated marketing jargon. Why aren't you talking to me? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You don't talk like this in real life. Um, That's great. God, those are very good. Um, I'm going to kind of just switch up a little bit because at at the end for everybody listening, um, we are pre-recording this, but I'm going to have details on the class, but I asked Andy to do a live class for my audience and What's great is that you can actually have your site critiqued. Um, it is a paid class, but it's, you know, it, it's not <laughs> anything exorbitant. But can you tell us a little bit about the class that people can register for? Yes. So uh, what I found when I was doing my workshops way back in when, in the, when I was living in the UK is that people really liked the fact that we were using students in the class as examples. So I wouldn't just throw up a site and say, like, hey, let's talk about it. Like, how is this social media or content? We use people in the room. So people, as we went around, people got a little bit of one-on-one training. But other students who were similar saw things in their own sites. Like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. He just called them out on that, and I do that too. <laughs> so I started doing this website critique workshop, and I've been doing it for about four and a half years now, and people love it. People just love it. And even if it's digital, it doesn't matter. So I just get I, I just did it for a Portland WordCamp and 
went really well. And what's really interesting, Kim, is when I'm doing this workshop, I have kind of a, I have a list of things I really want to make sure that we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, the language, the organization, all these things. And no matter what, because I don't know the sites in advance, sometimes I ask because it's nice, but uh, I don't always know the sites in advance and I always cover the same material. Isn't that weird? <laughs> well, it, it says a lot about... Um... No, I mean, it's clearly there are common threads and uh, you know what you're doing. <laughs> so uh, so for the class that we're doing together, that's the format. So we're going to have everyone come together on the phone. We'll, you'll be able to, if you want, to submit your site to be critiqued. Now, if we get overrun with registrations, we obviously can't uh, comment on everyone's, but we'll do our best. And we'll just do quick critiques, five to seven minutes per person. You'll be in the hot seat. You'll get critiqued. Um, if you want to come and you don't want to be critiqued, maybe you don't have a site yet or you're kind of working on something and you're not really ready for that, that's okay. You come and listen, no problem. I, I think we're going to record it, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yep. So you, so if you can't attend, there'll still be a lot of really good value um, for, for that as well. And then, Kim, I don't think I told you this, but um, I can give everyone a PDF copy of my book. Uh, I don't even remember the name of my book. Is that scary? <laughs> you know what? I have it, though. Um, I read it, and I've got your site up, so I will tell them right now. Create a, web- create a website that converts. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so we can give everybody a copy of the book, too, who attends, just to make sure that you've got plenty of materials to uh, get you to the next level. Oh, my God. That is great. So, so guys, go ahead and make sure you listen to the end of the show, because I'll have date, time, link, everything for the registration, and, of course, I'll do a post with the podcast and um, another one announcing this. So... Um, what is one fun thing maybe you'd like to share about yourself that people probably don't know about you? Hmm. Well, you know, I, I founded this site called Plum Deluxe, uh, and we talked a lot about travel in the early days. And when I lived in Scotland, I was commissioned to write a travel book. So I have a travel guide, in my the historic walking guide to Edinburgh. Oh, my God, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, they actually turned it into an iPhone app, Edinburgh Secrets. That is really cool. Isn't that cool? Do you get anything off the uh, app? Do you get a little royalty? I get more money from the app than the book. Wow, that is really cool. Uh, See, and it's, it's not like a bad app. If you uh, when you're on your trip, that's a uh, the app is not bad. The book uh, we haven't updated the book, so I would say skip it. But it was <laughs> fun. I uh, and I had a really tight timeline. I I just um I was I, I this I was so busy trying to finish this book. I had to use Google Street View to help me. Like I, I didn't have time to like leave my house and oh, go. God. You know, it was like that bad. It was so, so crazy. But I loved it. It was really fun. That's really cool, though, because it's also one of those things that you just don't know how something's going to evolve or where it's going to lead to. So I think um, it really helped when I wrote the book about websites. And I'm actually now uh, I'm going to be launching a Kickstarter with my Plum Deluxe team to do a cookbook. My mom used to make cakes when I was little mm -hmm. and I lost her to breast cancer last year. So we're going to do a little cookbook about cakes, which I'm really excited about. So I think I don't know, I guess. I just have a I have a book writing bone in my body somewhere. Well, anybody that focuses on the stuff you do, I mean, there's definitely um, there's certainly a creative bent to you, and I think writing goes along with that. And a lot of people think, well, I can't write a book, or and I just I think everybody can if you if you structure it and just write from your own perspective. There's no right or yep. wrong. Yep, just write, 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 and then you, you'll see the outline when you're done. I think. Um, okay, one actually little bonus question I didn't have on here in terms of writing and content. I'm, I'm not sure how to phrase this question exactly, but it's something that it always bums me out when I work with a client and I go back, I'm like, you haven't written anything, you know, there's no content. And so many people I think are really fearful of 
putting their own message or simply writing on the web. And I'm like, well, first of all, just because you write it doesn't mean anyone's going to read it. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, do you do anything with clients or to kind of if, if you see somebody that really may, maybe needs to produce more content, how do you get them to that place? Well, here's what I tell people. I have I have a client right now who is uh, she helps people edit and get their books published. I don't really know. It's not quite an agent, but maybe like the person you talk to before you get an agent. Mm-hmm. And she was having a hard time because she's so busy and she's not updating her sites. And, you know, it, it, like writer, writers have a hard, hard time with this, too, is, is why this is a great example. And I said to her, I said, look, you cannot tell me that you can't find an hour a month to update your site. If you can't find one time every month to update your site, then something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So she said, she said, yes, I can update my site once a month. And she's writing, we changed her blog title to be Articles and Tips mm-hmm. and took off the dates. So the taking off the dates took away a lot of stress. She felt real, a, a real relief. So, so that's a tip. Maybe if you're feeling like those dates are really making you sick to your stomach, take the dates off. If you can't cares. write consistently. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But then I say, I don't know what you think, Kim. But I say, if you can update your site once a month, that's enough. More than that, great. Every day, holy crap, you have a lot of time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but once a month, right? And I have to hard. Sometimes I I kind of fall off the blogging bandwagon, and I probably will next month because we're going to be doing this Kickstarter project. But I say, hey, if you can get in there once a month and and add a tip, give an update, you know, depends on what your business is, then that's enough. That's enough to remind people that you're not gone. But it's not so much that you're spending all this time producing content and not actually delivering on business. So, so once a month. But if you can't achieve that, then uh, you know, I don't know. I think you're something really wrong. But I think everybody in, who's listening to this can get something up on their site fresh once a month. You know, I, I think for me, it, it, it like you said, it really depends on the business. Um, and you know, for me, I know that doing the podcast because I write show notes. So mm-hmm. that goes up once a week. So that helps. And then there's times where I'll get a post and a video up. And it so it, it depends on the niche. And I also think when you're getting started, that if you can write more frequently, you're going to get better metrics to see how people are finding you. And of course, you have to be sharing your stuff and all that. But it, it's helpful to have something to measure. So I, I think there's probably not like a, a standard answer to that. But same thing. I mean, I had a couple coaching clients and one of them like you haven't written for two months and, and you're doing websites and working with clients. You have to you, you got to get something up. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I have an Evernote file that, where I put things that should be written and I haven't written yet. Mm-hmm. So when I finally do have the time to sit down and write, I don't have to panic and come up with an idea. Because I often, if I'm with a client and we have a really interesting conversation, I think, oh, you know, this would be really interesting to share. And I can share it without revealing, you know, something that was confidential. So if you have a little Evernote file or, you know, just a Word doc on your computer and put those ideas. So and then just make the commitment to sit down and put something together every every so often. Well, and the other thing is, just like anything else, the more often you write, the easier it gets. So like I know that if I need to not whip out a post, but if something comes to me, I can get it done because I've been writing more this year. Um, so I, I was just curious about that. I do. I, I think a lot of people f- that I've worked with just they get in their heads. I'm like, just start writing. <laughs> it's okay. Right. Don't right. don't and worry. Especially, and especially in the beginning, you're not really sure what customers 
really need and want. No, I linked to my first post on the WordPress chick. It was hysterical. It was like a paragraph, no <laughs> links, no images, no nothing. So I'm like, you guys look. <laughs> and it was kind of embarrassing, but I'm like, this is, this is how I started. So it's okay. Um, no, thank you so much, Andy. This has been awesome. And where is the best place for people to connect with you and find you? Um, I'm, you know, I'm a big Twitter person. I, I, it's my first social network and it's still the place I love to be. And I'm Andrew G Hayes. I know it's a little long, but, um, and that's actually my handle everywhere. If you want to look for me on LinkedIn or anywhere, that's my handle. Okay, good. Well, we'll link to that and we'll link to obviously your site and of course everything else, Plum Deluxe, which God, I went on there and I just, I, have, I think the first time we talked, I'm like, this is great. So we'll Thanks. make sure I that, appreciate that we have a good team. Yeah, it, it's a great site. Um, We'll link to everything. So again, everybody make sure um, listen to the end of this because it's going to have all of the details so you can register for the class. And that is um, coming up very soon. I'm very excited. And, and who knows, maybe we could do it quarterly or something. I think there's going to be a lot of interest. Um, so that'll be really fun. So thanks again, Andy. I really appreciated it. No problem. So there you have it. The interview with Andy Hayes wrapped up. Now to register for the website critique class, you want to go to the WPChick.com forward slash Andy Hayes. And that's Andy, A-N-D-Y-H-A-Y-E-S. The class is Tuesday, October 22nd, 2013. In case you're listening to this after that. Um, and it's from 5 to 6.30 p.m. So you can also submit your site for one of the live website critiques. So it's a huge bonus to be able to participate in this. And even if your site doesn't get selected, you're going to learn a ton. So I really look forward to having you there and suggest you register. So again, the link to register is the wpchick.com forward slash Andy Hayes. Thanks so much, guys, and stay tuned for a new solo show next week.